for Zion's sake I will not keep silent for Zion's sake I'll not hold my peace Welcome to For Zion's Sake Isaiah 62.1 is taken directly out of the Hebrew Scriptures when the prophet Isaiah declared, For Zion's sake I will not keep silent, and for Jerusalem's sake I will not keep quiet until her righteousness goes forth like brightness and her salvation like a torch that is burning. Your hosts for the program are Shelley and June Volk, Jewish believers burdened to see Jew and Gentile become one. Believers strengthened in their faith and for their Jewish kinsmen to come to the saving knowledge of Jesus as the Messiah, the Son of God. Bless the Lord and welcome to For Zion's Sake. We thank you for joining us. We're the Volks. My name is Shelley. And my name is June. Hi, everyone. It's good to be with you as we conclude this week of broadcasting. And today we are concluding our study of the book of Esther. And we encourage you to take time to read this book carefully. This is a book without even mentioning the Lord or God, and it's a book that speaks of the sovereignty and the providential work of God. It's the God that we know who so often works behind the scenes, and God's hand was behind every event that we spoke about and we'll speak about today in the book of Esther, and they were all ingredients that were meant to fulfill the purposes of God. For example, listen to these events. In chapter 1, Queen Vashti refused to come to the banquet that her king hosted. In chapter 2, we read that Mordecai and Esther were in Persia. They were Jewish people, and God was putting favor in the heart of the king for Esther and actually made her the new queen. In chapter 2, we read that Mordecai overheard two men plotting to kill the king, telling Esther about it, who then informed the king, and these two men were hung on the gallows. When we went to chapter 3, we read about Haman devising a plan to kill all the Jews in Persia with the king's approval, and this was meant to destroy all the Jews in that kingdom. In chapter 4, we read about Mordecai hearing of this plan to kill the Jews and having it revealed to Esther. And Esther's willingness, we saw in chapter 4, was so great to go to the king's chambers without being called which really, as we read, risked her life, because if the king didn't invite her in, she had no right to go. In chapter 5, we read about Esther planning a banquet for Haman and the king, and Haman feeling so good that he was invited to be with the king and the queen. And yesterday we started looking at chapter 6, and we saw that the king, not being able to sleep one night, arose and read the book of records and found out that Mordecai was never rewarded for saving the king's life by revealing the fact that these two men wanted to kill him. And that's where we left off yesterday. And it's interesting to know that Mordecai was in, uh, rather that Haman was in the palace and uh, the king wanted to know who was there. And he called Mordecai in and asked, Mordecai, and asked uh, Haman, how should a man that I want to honor be honored. And Haman went on to say that the man whom the king desires to honor, he said, let him bring a royal robe which the king has worn, and the horse on which the king is ridden, and on whose head a royal crown has been placed, and let the robe and the horse be handed over to one of the king's most noble princes, 
and let them array the man whom the king desires to honor and lead him on horseback through the city square and proclaim him before him. Thus it shall be done to the man whom the king desires. And note, please, that more uh, that Haman thought he was the man that was going to be honored. And I think it's important to also realize, Shelley, that Haman was filled with pride. He was high-minded. He was arrogant, even in thinking that he was higher or better than the Jews and also than Mordecai. And we read in Proverbs chapter 16, verse 18, that pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before the fall. Wow. And we read on in chapter 6, from where you left off, Shelley, that Haman took the robe and the horse and arrayed Mordecai and led him by horseback through the city square and proclaimed before him, Thus it shall be done to the man whom the king desires to honor. And then Mordecai returned to the king's gate, but Haman hurried home mourning, that's M-O-U-R-N-I-N-G, with his head covered. Haman recounted to Zeresh his wife and all of his friends everything that had happened to him. And then the wise men and Zeresh his wife said to him, If Mordecai, before whom you have begun to fall, is of Jewish origin, you will not overcome him, but will surely fall before him. While they were still talking with him, the king's eunuchs arrived and hastily brought Haman to the banquet which Esther had prepared. And that's where we go to now in chapter 7. We see that the chapter begins with Esther, the king, and Haman at Esther's banquet. And Esther reveals her Jewishness to the king and reveals Haman's intention to kill all the Jews in Persia. And the king orders Haman, what a twist of events, Juni, and how God's purposes are going to be fulfilled. The king then orders Haman to be hanged on the gallows that he himself prepared for Mordecai. So we see that uh, Proverbs 11.8 is so true. The righteous is delivered out of trouble, and the wicked comes in his stead. This is exactly what happened, and ultimately... Haman died on the gallows that he arranged for Mordecai to die on. And even more frightening, Shelley, is that it wasn't just Haman, but it was Haman and his ten sons who were to die as a result of um, his um, speaking to the king to wipe out all the Jews. Really? Okay, so then we go on to chapter 8. And we see that chapter 8 is basically the story of how Mordecai was honored. And Mordecai actually, June, took the place of uh, Haman. And he was given the authority that Haman had. And a new decree, a new edict was formed. In fact, Mordecai wrote this edict with the king's approval and the signet signet ring on it that allowed the Jews not only to defend themselves on that date, on the 14th day of Adar, when they were to be killed, but they were allowed to come out and even kill those who came against them. So again, we see the purposes of God fulfilled, that the enemy's plans were thwarted, and now Mordecai was in favor and won with the king. And the announcement went to all the provinces. 
Okay, and then we go to chapter 9, and it basically talks about, Juni, how 500 uh, men in Persia were killed, the enemies of Israel, and overall the kingdom, 75,000 of those, it says in verse 16, who hated them, but they did not lay their hands on the plunder. So the Jewish people defended themselves and were able to be sustained. Why? Because God was working behind the scenes. And as you said before, Juni, um, uh, you want to read that request that Esther made in chapter 9, verse 13, which is really significant. I know that's been on, on your heart for some time, ever since we heard a story about this. Um, in chapter 9 of Esther, and verse 13, it says that Esther spoke and said, If it pleases the king... Let tomorrow also be granted to the Jews who are in Susa to do according to the edict of today and let Haman's ten sons be hanged on the gallows. So the king commanded that it should be done. So an edict was issued in Susa and Haman's ten sons were hanged. And what's interesting, Shelley, is that they were already dead. Yes. And so for thousands of years... The rabbis couldn't understand why verses 13 and 14 of chapter 9 was put in the book of Esther. It didn't make sense. Why hang 10 dead men? But in 1946, at the Nuremberg trials that um, were held, there were 11 men who were guilty of killing thousands of Jews in the Holocaust and um, they were sentenced to death. And one of those 11 men committed suicide, which left 10 Nazis left. And nine were hung, and when the 10th man came to the gallows, and the mask was put over his face and the rope around his neck, before he um, died, before the rope choked him, he said... Purim, 1946. And rabbis then understood that Esther was prophesying of what would happen thousands of years later when uh, the Germans killed the Jews and the prophets even warned the nations that they will be judged according to how they treat Israel. So, Junie, this is really the, the less significant portion of this book because... When we go on in chapter 9, we see in verse 20, Then Mordecai recorded these events, and he sent letters to all the Jews who were in all the provinces of King Ahasuerus, both near and far, obliging them to celebrate the 14th day of the month of Adar and the 15th day of the same month, because on those days the Jews rid themselves of their enemies, and it was a month which was turned for them from sorrow into gladness and from mourning into a holiday that they should make them days of feasting and rejoicing and sending portions of food to one another and gifts to the poor. And this is the way Purim should be celebrated now. And has been celebrated by our people in every nation in the earth. And in verse 10, Shelley, in chapter 10, verse 3, it says, For Mordecai the Jew was second only to the king Ahasuerus and great among the Jews and in favor with his many kinsmen, one who sought for the good of his people 
and one who spoke for the welfare of his whole nation. And I think of one man as I read this, Shelley, and that was Joseph in Genesis, that he was raised to actually the first man under the Pharaoh, and he was given authority and cared for his enemies and cared for the Pharaoh. It's really a great book, and we again encourage you to read it. And this is a feast that was supposed to be remembered for eternity. And it's also a picture of the end days when God will come and save his Jewish people from the enemies and and Israel will fulfill their eternal call to be a blessing to all the nations. And as we remember our Jewish people being heir of Shabbat Shelley, I think we need to also remember Jesus as our deliverer. Yes, Lord. And Jesus as our healer and Jesus as our... Savior. Yes. So if you know the Shema, recite it along with us as we want to identify ourselves with our Jewish kinsmen. Shema Yisrael, Adonai Eloheinu, Adonai Echad. Hear, O Israel, the Lord, our God, the Lord is one. I thank you, Lord. I yes, pray Lord. even you, as Lord. my sisters around the earth light the Shabbat candles oh, tonight, that Lord. the light of the world would enlighten their yes, eyes and enlighten their hearts, we love you, Lord. and that the men of Israel would come to know Yeshua yes. as Messiah. Hallelujah. We ask this in Yeshua's holy name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us this evening. If you would like to get in touch with Shelley and June, you can write to them at P.O. Box 1784, Scottsdale, Arizona, 85252. That's P.O. Box 1784, Scottsdale, Arizona, 85252. And you can also contact them on their website, ShelleyAndJuneVolk.com. That's ShelleyAndJuneVolk.com. Until next time, the Lord bless thee and keep thee. The Lord make his face to shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. The Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace. This program was sponsored by the Psalm 127 Fund.